as medication shifts the biological experience of fear, mindfulness practice can undo the complex reactive thoughts or feelings that sustain the trance of fear. Hello and welcome to the Emotional Compass. This is Bodhi. And Aviel. Welcome back. And this is our final episode uh, covering the book called Radical Acceptance by Tara Brack. And we've covered the first six chapters. And now we're just going to round up the rest of the book and talk about what jumped at us in the last few chapters in the book. I, I can't remember what chapter this was, but she talked about medication and meditation and how they can work together. And this is something that I always wrestled with because when I was clinically depressed, I was prescribed with Prozac. I challenged myself not to take it. I challenged myself, like, how can I get through this without taking it? Because I wrestled with my own spirituality and how it would affect my meditation practice. And more than anything else, I did not want to be dependent on an external substance. I wanted that grit and fortitude within myself to overcome adversity, which I knew in the long run would make me a stronger person. And that's not to knock medication. And I love this quote that she put because this one sentence packs so much information, which is just crazy for me. I had to like reread that several times. So she wrote, as medication shifts the biological experience of fear, mindfulness practice can undo the complex reactive thoughts of feelings that sustain the trance of fear. Now, that's a real mouthful there. But basically, what she's trying to say is that the medication can minimize that feeling of fear. That, experience, um, that example that she gave of the pianist that kept feeling all of this anxiety of fear and performance anxiety. And so medication helped minimize all of that anxiety for him so that he could go out and perform and be present while he's performing. But at the same time, the mindfulness practice, it just helped him calm his mind so that it wouldn't react to all those, all that fear with all those complex thoughts that we get when we get in a fearful position, you know, because our thoughts are anchored in feelings, the minute we feel fear, we can just give rise to a million thoughts going in all different directions. And that creates panic attacks or anxiety. The medication can help you with that feeling of fear. And once you get that under control, and once the chemicals in your brain are kind of at equilibrium, then the mindfulness practice can help you sustain that equilibrium and bring that focus, bring that creativity, bring that joy, and kind of align the two. So I was really happy to hear that she said, yeah, these two things can work together. They are not mutually exclusive. I just find it to be a blessing that we have all these tools at our disposal. Uh, I know personally growing up performing my piano rehearsals or preparing for a midterm or a final, I would get so much anxiety and not to say that um, I wasn't able to overcome it, but having tools like meditation that I wasn't aware of or 
medication would have been definitely um, definitely advantage for me at the time to uh, to be able to perform better. Um, it's so true that what arises first is it fear or is it those thoughts? And for me, it was always those thoughts. I would have a billion thoughts like I have to do good in this test so that. I could have the grades to afford school and to go to a good school so that I could secure my future. Or, you know, what are, are people going to ridicule me if, if I miss hit all these notes while I'm, I'm playing this piece uh, in the piano for all these people watching me? So for me, it was like my mind would go nuts. And meditation, as I've grown older, would, back then would have been such a tremendous help. So... I love how she explains this because me myself also um, had didn't really know how this medication works, and I think that for those that are severely crippled with anxiety and depression, this is a beautiful way to rebalance the biology and have the meditation anchor all these feelings that you're able to have once you're balanced. Yeah, because uh, there are times when I've heard some other people demonize medication, and I don't think we want to do that. I think we should use all the tools that are there at our disposal so that we can get to that next level. Hopefully, eventually, we are not, you know, we're, we're not dependent on the medication anymore. And if that day is, you know, months from now, years from now, that's okay. As long as it's helping you get aligned, bring peace to yourself, and you can get to that elevated state that you get to when you're doing a routine practice of meditation and some sort of exercise and journaling, all of these things kind of bring you to that harmony, stage of harmony and equilibrium where you're not weighed down by all the stresses of the world. Because we're living in a very stressful time right now. I know in some places it's eased up. Where we live, it's eased up a little. We can go outside. We can enjoy other people's company a little more. And it's not that bad. But I know people are still suffering around the world. Yeah, that's very true. Um, One of the things that came to mind when you were talking about medication as being a tool, uh, it reminded me of like, if you have an injury to a knee and you put a brace on it, it'll allow you to be able to walk more efficiently. But if you don't do the rehab, you don't do the work that's required for your knee to heal fully, then that brace then becomes a crutch. So, you know, I I love that because for me, the medication is almost like the brace, but then the meditation is the rehab that you do for that knee so that eventually you could come back to wholeness, to, to health. That's a beautiful example. I really, really like that example. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one is basically helping you, you know, make sure that it doesn't get worse. And the other one is helping you recover from where you are to get to a place where you're getting better and you're able to walk again. So, yeah. Amazing. The, the other thing that jumped at me in later chapters was where she talked so much about compassion. And, uh, you know, the, she said that the Buddhist texts describe compassion as something to be with, to feel with, and to suffer with. 
the Buddhist text defines compassion as the quivering of the heart, a visceral tenderness in the face of suffering. And then she went on to talk about the Bodhisattva, who is someone that's on a path where they are basically realized through the fullness of compassion and they just, they, they're, they embody compassion. That's their life's work is to just embody compassion. And, you know, why does this compassionate living have to be isolated to someone like a bodhisattva, right? In this day and age, I think we can all use a little compassion, compassion towards ourselves, compassion towards our loved ones that are around us, compassion to our reaction to situations. I mean, basically in anything and everything we do, there has to be compassion, especially a lot of self-judgment. I know I, I suffer from that a lot where I'm just really hard on myself. You know, there are times where during this whole lockdown and quarantine, I would be so judgmental of myself the days where I wouldn't keep up with my routines. I'd be like, you know, I should be doing all these things and making sure I get all of this stuff done in a day. I'm like, take it easy. Some days you just need to give yourself a day off and just check out. And it's, it's totally okay to take a day off from all the things that you have on your checklist. That's right. <laughs> it reminds me of that one movie, but I have to remind myself to take it easy. And I truly believe that compassion is the key to end all suffering and all war. I think compassion is, it's such an important aspect of the human experience. So many times people are not compassionate with others because they themselves are not compassionate compassionate towards themselves. It, it all stems from the self. So you hit it right on the head. That compassion needs to start with self. And we're ingrained to work hard and to do so much. And a lot of the times we just need to slow down to, to contemplate our lives and what we've done thus far and to feel good about our accomplishments, to realize that there is a bias towards negativity, that for every you know one negative event in your life, there's probably like four positive ones that we have forgotten about. So the compassion is our ability, our heart's ability to quiver, to, to realize that that other person across the screen or that other person um, that you're speaking with are also going through all the suffering and the pain that life brings to all of us. And if we unite and we gather together as one, we can overcome anything. We could overcome this pandemic. We could overcome this suffering. We could overcome the lack of food and scarcity of resources because we are living in an abundant time. We're living in a place where we can make and manifest whatever we wish, wish to. So compassion is where it starts so we could make huge changes in this brand new reality that we're going to get after this whole pandemic is over. Honestly, like I, I could stop there <laughs> because <laughs> compassion is such an amazing message. But I think the last thing that jumped at me was the whole thing about interpersonal relationships and how you can use meditation in any aspect of your life. Right. True that. And, and this is something that I originally went through because the meditation that I learned were, they were called active meditations because at, when I first began meditating, 
it was always drilled in my head that meditation is not just about sitting in a corner and watching your breath. Like, you know, you can be playing tennis and meditating, or you can be running and meditating, or you can be dancing and meditating, you can be singing and meditating. So it was interesting to see when she talked about this one guy that wrote about relationships and meditation you know, or rather interpersonal relationships and meditation and how the act of listening and talking can be a meditation because everyone all the time is just waiting for their chance to talk, right? And, um, and I think we covered this in our last episode, but she kind of talks about it all over again and this one specific person that wrote, wrote a whole book on it. So, yeah, I just thought that was very interesting that she she covered it again and basically really boils down to compassion, right? I mean, if someone's if you're mad at someone and rather than just lashing out at them based on your patterns that you followed previously based on your relationship, maybe you can just check with yourself first, you know, check yourself before you wreck yourself, I guess. So yeah, I totally, just wanted to touch totally. on that. Yeah, to me, uh, I had to learn how to listen. I would get so much anxiety when somebody else was talking because there were like three or four points that I wanted to make. And I soon realized that if I were just to slow my roll, then that person would cover the topics I wanted to say. And then that gave me the ability to speak when things were absolutely necessary. So it became like a laser focus the things that I would say, because all of a sudden now I'm so aware of everything that's happening. Now I could focus not only on the conversation, but the emotion and the body language. And all of a sudden it becomes this beautiful experience to like, not only hear what they're saying, but see how they're feeling. And all of a sudden this enlivens your communication skills with others. And it brings a, a deeper depth that now people enjoy speaking with you because you're not there to cut them off. You all of a sudden have things to say that actually mean something. So with that interpersonal communication and the meditation, those are such beautiful tools to enrich your relationships with others. And the compassion, the interpersonal relationships, the meditation, all these things are beautiful keys to enrich your life, to create better sustainable relationships with others and to start living heaven here on earth. So I, I really enjoyed this book. I've really enjoyed um, Tara Brock's work and how she opens herself up. It opened me up, that's for sure. And I have a ton of gratitude for the work that she has gratefully put out there for us to enjoy, digest, and apply it into our lives. And with this podcast, we're sharing with all of you. So if you haven't downloaded the book, we highly recommend it. Go out there, download it or buy it, you know, get a hard copy, audiobook, whatever format you want. Just get the book, listen to it, read it and share with us. Share with us what you thought of the book and how, it, you know, what emotional connections you had with the book and how it has changed you as a person. Because I know it definitely changed me. I actually listened to the book twice through audiobook 
because there were so many little nuggets of wisdom in there that I just had to go back in there and just listen to it over and over again, just so that it just sinks in with me. And I realized that a lot of the book is basically what we talk about in our podcast anyway. If you look at some of the last few episodes, we've talked about compassion. We've talked about understanding and kindness and non-judgment and how to deal with fear. So all of these topics, they're very aligned to all the things that we cover and we talk on a week-to-week basis. So we hope that you got something out of this book and this podcast, these last few episodes. If you have a book that you would love us to review, uh, we would be happy to do that. So just drop us a line. It's uh, hello at theemotionalcompass.com. Feel free to drop us a line and we'd be happy to review any book that you want us to. And uh, like we always say, you know, this is a labor of love. So please share this podcast with as many people as you can. And please rate, review and subscribe. Remember, we're here for you. We love you very much. And work on that meditation practice. We promise it's going to give back to you tenfold. Well, this is the Emotional Compass. And this is Bodhi. And Abiel. Until next time.